kitchen today. So I, 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 oh, that's why the echo. I've arranged the house in such a way that I no longer have a desk, which was an oversight. So <laughs> I like to work at the kitchen table, but it makes it something like this a little uncertain. Do you have a desk? You used to have a little writing shed. I, at one time I had a shed, and uh, um, then we moved, and I did not move the shed with me, even though I had I had uh, customized it significantly and put a wood stove in it and so on, and it is now in disuse. Um, the church that bought the house has retained the shed and uh, hasn't done anything with it as far as I can see. So yes, I have... It's, it's interesting that you would ask me this now, because ever since we moved into this house, which is seven years, uh, I have not had... I've had multiple desks, none of which I've used for writing. There's the one I'm sitting at now that's kind of like my recording... Ooh, you have a troll mug. There's something kind of gross about that. Yes. <laughs> Trolls uh, are disgusting. I've got this uh, um, sort of command center for recording... Uh, mm -hmm. That I usually don't write. Which is at. deluxe. I mean, it's a deluxe room. It's I mean, pretty right. deluxe. Yeah, I've got, you're I, facing I, it when I, I can't actually see the desk surface, but behind you, I mean, there's a lot of equipment, a lot of things with knobs. Yeah. Well, and there's a desk all at the far end of this room, which you can see behind me. I guess I think you can. Uh, and uh, I wasn't using it. It was usually just a repository for drumsticks and cables and stuff like that. That's it's where a drummer puts his beer. And uh, then there's a little desk in the the living room that I also don't write on, but that I sit and pay bills at. And usually we just write on the sofa. Uh, but now that I've sort of gotten into uh, pens and notebooks and paper and so on uh, again, I sort of need a place to have a little pile of notebooks and a little uh, tray of pens and some a little tray of uh, inks, fountain pen right. inks, and uh, um, and my scanner and. Uh, Lo and behold, I'm, I have sort of – I've now made the desk that's behind me uh, much more appealing. I've cleared away the empty beer bottles, and I'm actually going to try to write at it, at my desk, at my writing desk. Cause this it's is, bold. It's a bold move. I know, right? Yeah, that's the, this is, that's the desk. That's the desk I wrote. You know, I wrote Mailman at that desk, and I wrote On the Night Plane, and it's like all the stuff – when I had the shed, that desk was in the shed, and then in here, it's just I've I haven't used it for anything. So that's all going to change uh, once once the semester ends. I'm going to write back here in the in the studio. What does it look out? Does it look out at the fields, or does it look out at the weird little uh, <clears throat> kind of peace commune? Or uh, uh, no, it it looks out at the road, um, but we're, okay. it's about seventy five yards from the road. So there's some some big uh, fir trees out there. And uh, at the moment, there's a lot of snow, uh, but the the traffic is going by out there. Sorry. You know, that's very passe. <laughs> what trees? Fir trees. Fir trees are passe. Yeah. Well, I mean, for several decades now, now that we understand the cruelties of the mink industry, and <laughs> PETA has alerted us to uh, a lot of the. <laughs> excesses of, of uh, raising animals for decoration, yeah. uh, the suffering. Uh, yeah, now they're probably legacy fir trees. Yeah, you, probably you keep up out of uh, uh, you know sentimentality. It's unethical to have a fir orchard these days, though. We can have a new one, you know, but it's a waste to just burn the old ones. It's getting it's grandfathered in. My my fir orchard is grand is grandpappied in. 
It's kind of an old money thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in my case, a no money thing. <laughs> no. New money, old money, no money. <laughs> old moneylessness. Yeah. Uh, so, boy, have I got a restaurant story for you. I'd like to hear it. It's quite quite disgusting. Uh, I'm still interested, but I'll tell you less interested. But uh, I'm worried. I worry about such. Um, so, we, Sunday, after our podcast, the band came over and we, we had a band practice. And then we decided we were going to have a, a meeting to talk over, you know, what we're going to do for the next few months. So we go down the street to this uh, restaurant. Quite a good restaurant, by the way, that I recommend called Agava. Which is kind of like a fusiony Tex-Mexy kind of cuisine, but um, uh, much tastier than that sounds. And uh, I, we all, we all took different cars, and I arrived last. And when I got there, my bandmates had already gotten a table right in the middle of the main dining room, and uh, I immediately sat down and tried to uh, engage them in banter. And but instead of talking back to me, they all just had this stricken, stricken looks on their faces. And so I, I said, "What's going on?" And Elizabeth, our singer, who's sitting right across from me, says, "Don't turn around." And I said, "Okay." And she says, "There's a woman sitting behind you, who has been vomiting into cloth napkins at her table for ten minutes." And I said, you know, the bathroom is 20 feet away. And the door, the, the door of the restaurant that enabled her to leave was six feet away from where they were sitting. Uh, and I, I'd never turned around. I never saw it. But not only was she puking into napkins, but the man she was with is a young woman, probably in her 20s. The, the, my bandmates said they looked like they might be graduate students. Um, she had... Uh, she had deputized her companion uh, in this bizarre act. He was go- he was he was dashing around to empty tables and stealing the napkins off of them to give her. <laughs> to Hoping give that her- each one would be the last. Yeah. The- well, he he was he was apparently red faced, was clearly embarrassed, and was trying to persuade her to take a different tack for you know for overcoming her period of nausea. Not vomiting would be one. Yeah, or doing it. Try not to vomit. Doing it not in in the middle of a crowded restaurant and um, bathroom. And not only swallow it. She, (laughs) oh god! Did you hear it? Did you hear? Was it audible? Were you hearing the? the, (laughs) No, it wasn't. the (laughs) The restaurant was uh was was loud, so it was not audible, and um, uh, it kept it kept going on for another five minutes. And when our waitress, so you heard where you heard where like was like laughing and clanking dishes. And uh, yeah. something on the on the, the the stereo, people coming and going, exactly. door door chime, cash register, exactly, a baby crying, a dog barking, right. Well, no, not the dog and the baby, but everything else, yes. And so, uh, um, our waitress arrived with our uh, tortilla chips and salsa, and I said to her, "Hey, um, we'll pay for that, but we're going to have to leave." And she said, "Why?" And then Adam said to her, "Some someone over there has been vomiting for ten minutes." And she she was apparently not you know she's sitting on like a bench seat, and she could have sort of concealed the the napkins beside her, but no, she was piling them on top of the table in full view of everyone. And uh, 
the woman said, "Oh, is it someone's someone's baby? Is there a baby?" Oh, baby. And and, and he said, "No, it's a grown woman." So eventually, the, the these people left, and they we were reseated. And before they were, you know, we we got a table. <laughs> Are you all right? Are you yeah, coming? All right, I'm trying. <laughs> There's a protocol for this. For a napkin. Yeah. You don't have to vomit on Skype, you know. Right. Uh, but anyway, we, we got moved to the other room, uh, and uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> and the people eventually left. But I was kind of it got me thinking about uh, breaking breaking etiquette, breaking protocol in restaurants. Kurt, I actually add, put on Facebook. I asked. Uh, I said John has a doozy of an anecdote about people <coughs> breaking etiquette protocols in restaurants. Got any good stories? And Kurt says, perhaps it's stating the obvious, but I was pointing out to Owen the irony of Coke and McDonald's Olympic sponsorships, among other issues, that it's chow athletes emphatically don't eat. Yeah. I don't know. His, his Owen. There's two Owens. Yeah, his Owen. Right. Yeah, have you, seen, have you watched any of the Olympic coverage? You know, we don't have cable, um, and I don't think it's streamable off of, you know, Apple it's TV on normal. It's on normal um, broadcast TV. Yeah, we can't get it where we where we live. And I and I actually really regret it because um, we were watching actually the, the night of the of the vomiting lady. We were watching because um, we were in the bar area where there was a TV and, and everyone was watching women's snowboarding. And snowboarding is probably the what I would think to be the least interesting sport to me. Pretty interesting. I watched but it, it. Was, it was terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so you've, so you've missed out on I'm, on I've missed out on, on, on those ads. Uh, there's an ad for uh, McDonald's. Yeah, just talking about how great gold medals are, and how delicious uh, chicken McNuggets taste, and the similarity in shape and color between them. And so you have people like getting medals and then biting into them, and then they turn into chicken McNuggets, and you have, you know, somebody uh, you know biting the chicken McNugget kind of seductively. Is that um, possible? Is that a they're saying that, that the chicken done? McNuggets, chicken McNuggets, are the taste of victory, or some <laughs> extraordinary bullshit like that, <laughs> some unforgivable bullshit, like chicken McNuggets are the taste of victory. <laughs> there, there, when there's the taste of sorrow, <laughs> the taste of fatness. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, I but I don't find myself getting too outraged when I, when I watch the Olympics. I forgive everybody. Yeah, uh, I forgive everybody during the Olympics. Yeah, it's like it's like I'm it's like I'm uh, the Godfather, and it's my uh, it's my daughter's wedding. I forgive everything. Is that what you get? But to I, do? I don't think he forgives anything, does he? No, but I I can't. He has to honor all requests. That's different. During the Olympics, I have to honor all requests. <laughs> um, people to take an audience with me. Uh, I stroke a cat, and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to dividing my attention between the baker who's come for some help with his no good son-in-law, and, uh, and and watching the the downhill, um, the downhill skiing. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, it's nice to watch the Olympics. Yeah. Um, you can be forgiven for vegging out in front of the Olympics. It's sort of patriotic. Yeah. Most television watching is patriotic. Well, you know, there, there, there aren't that many things left that. Well, this is this is not really true, but um, a lot of the stuff that we do, a lot of the stuff that involve other people, doesn't really happen in real time anymore. You, you know what I mean? That we're 
we're all say we all watch the same movies or we're you know we'll communicate with each other on social network or something but it's not happening at the same time we're not there at the same time having the same experience and the 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 olympics is a nice uh a nice uh way of doing that you know yeah not a lot of fanfare though so i've been watching it and and, uh, for the first few days they had bob costas alone in a room talking about the olympics as his eyes got crustier and crustier I heard about that. And then uh, eventually, I, I guess he died or something. <laughs> and uh, uh, some other nice young man came in and started talking to us. <laughs> alone in a room, quietly. It's, not, it's, it's, uh, it's like they're, um, they, 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 they broadcast the Olympics um, the way that you would like, introduce a panel at a presidential library, you know. <laughs> the lighting is good and professional. But no one seems to be there. Um, it just seems like an obligation rather than than uh, uh, something anybody's excited about. So you're. This is a, this is um, this is a, a, the coverage. The coverage of the event. Are you saying is inappropriate for the for the spirit of the event? It just seems out of scale. Yeah, it seems out of scale. It looks like they're 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 narrating. Uh, 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 an exhibit about first ladies dresses. <laughs> and, <laughs> meanwhile, the, you know, the greatest athletes alive at the moment in their particular sports are, uh, you know, uh, exerting themselves nearby. Uh, <laughs> exerting themselves nearby. Uh, so I, I, uh, I just noticed that you're uh, that you were live tweeting my entire vomiting in the restaurant story. Just little bits. Then I got tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, um, so you know, today is the uh, chili fest in Ithaca. I know this because I, I was just reading the Ithaca newspaper, trying to see if there was anything interesting to talk about, and I couldn't oh, find anything. Oh, really? <laughs> Despite finding the Chili Fest, you couldn't find any culinarily. We could talk about the Chili Fest. No. I, I it didn't seem. No, no, let's it not. It seemed Olympic level. There is a, uh, um, I, you know, we're going out to dinner tonight. It's our date night, and we're just, you know, we're hoping the crowds uh, will have dispersed. But I'm trying to find this. Somebody posted on twitter first of all the mayor is down there the mayor is tweeting from the uh our 26 year old mayor svante myrick who by the way i think is doing a bang-up job and he's he's probably going to be president of someday president of what's his name ford Ford fairlane (laughs) no svante svante myrick cornell student turned uh turned mayor anyway uh he's a magician right (laughs) so somebody Somebody tweeted this picture of um, Chili Fest. I can't find it, but of Chili Fest talking about how. Uh, oh, here, yeah, here it is. Uh, how how lovely Chili Fest is, and what a wonderful time it is. And what it is is a giant crowd huddled against each other in the cold, waiting in line to eat chili made in upstate New York. And that just doesn't seem to me. I'm going to drag. See if I can drag this photo into our conversation here. It's kind of horrifying. I'm just, I, you know, I've just become, I've just become ter- terribly old, terribly old. Here we go. I, I have to disagree with you, <laughs> but I did pause a little bit before I. All right, here's. Go look at this. Go look at this tweet photo here of the, of the chili cook-off. Doesn't that just look like a nightmare? 
It's dark. It's wet. Huh. And it's, the the canopies form a weird line into the middle of the photograph, which I kind of like. Yeah, oh yeah, as a photograph, it's it's somewhat compelling, and the, and there's a sea yeah. of people over which the buildings out it's of which be the underwater beneath yeah, the, the waves. That's they're right. dead. They're like they're under a lake. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lake where they all died. The you lake can still of the see dead. their the their vertical dead. their vertical uh, wintry bodies. Um, well, look, I, I see someone seems to be smiling or wearing earmuffs. I can't tell. One or the other. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Just, it seems it seems like a nightmare to me. But people are having fun. They're coming from all around to uh, to attend it. But I don't know, no. man. Street fair. I can't. I just can't. Can't get there. It's, this time of year, it's nice to have something to go outside for. You think right? that's the point of it, right? You know, we're, we're very the- indoors right now. It's, it's 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 February. It's it's cold. The Great Lakes are almost entirely covered over with ice. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to have an excuse just to go outside. And it doesn't, I don't see snow. People look a little cold, but they're, you know, not frostbitten. I'm sure the chili is okay. I mean, baseline chili is all right. Yeah, pretty much. You know? pretty really much. good chili is just a little bit better than normal chili. We make, you know, a big deal about it, but just lack of imagination. My uh, chili feeling is uh, con carne or nothing. Yeah, I don't like beans in my chili, but Jill thinks if there's no beans, it's not chili. So we, our the chili of the house um, is a compromise. What is it? Uh, well, a little meat, little beans, and we don't usually make it very often. <clears throat> uh, because I don't, the beans kind of mess up, especially because we we put I get steak, and then I put the steak in the um, food processor. Oh, to get the to get the texture, so it's not cubed, right? It's kind of torn. Yeah, and severed. I've never thought of putting a steak in a food processor. Put a steak in a food processor. All right. It's not very vegan. No. Um, but uh, do vegans allow steel to touch their <laughs> food? I don't. I don't know all the rules. No, steel cut oats are a staple, I believe. Of, okay, so of, of the vegan. So it's so it is vegan. Yeah. Steel cut. <laughs> steel steak. cut steak is vegan. <laughs> uh, and then I like I like to I like you know to make my own chili powder if I if I can, um, which I guess I can now. Back in here in, in Seattle, I can get ingredients. I can get dried peppers yeah. and uh, uh, pulverize them. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to do that. I uh, <clears throat> I love it. My favorite chili. My mother would make it. My mother was not a good cook, uh, but she she had a bunch of people to feed who didn't care about what anything tasted like, uh, and so. She was an appropriate cook for the, the circumstance. She was not casting her pearls before swine. <laughs> okay. Putting the, the, the chili on the table for She's me and my brothers. casting her swine before pearls, in fact. Right. <laughs> she was feeding the swine. Uh, but a lot of chili, a lot of beef stroganoff. Those were the main things. Uh, going down to Taco Casa and get some tacos. Uh, flavorless tacos. Uh, but the chili, I, did, I loved it when uh, she would make a lot of it. And uh, we would... Freeze it. Yeah. And I loved eating frozen chili. Like without thawing it? Without thawing it. Eating it kind of like ice cream. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. <laughs> little ice crystals that form around it that would stay, start to melt and it would get a little slushy. <laughs> you know, like with ice cream, you can, if you eat it out of the box, you kind of get it around the, the, the corners. It sort of gets that 
this little slurry around yeah. the, the edge, the sludge, which is yeah. the best part of ice cream. Yeah. Similar thing happened with with uh, uh, slowly thawing chili <laughs> in Tupperware, eating it after everybody had gone to bed. It's great, <laughs> delicious. That's w- that's a wonderful memory, Ed. It's a delicious memory. So uh, I feel like I like I I'm sort of with Jill on the bean issue. I think that um, though. I'm fussy about which beans. I do not like chi- like kidney beans. I don't like kidney beans in any capacity, but I definitely don't like them in chili. I, I like a chili that's got some black beans in it, perhaps. Well, you can have that. <clears throat> All right. That, that is served. Thanks. Uh, I think it might not be chili at that point. Peppers. What about peppers? What's your might be some other kind of dish. It's a bean dish with chili flavorings. What's I think it? red beans, red beans. I think I don't mind kidney beans. Pinot beans are okay. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, I think you need kidney beans for the uh, the texture, the texture of kidney beans. Other uh, beans kind of disintegrate too much. In uh, uh, you might be right about chili. that. You know, black beans will hold their their uh, their fibers, the fibrousness. Um, I had uh, some enchiladas yesterday. We went up to Everett. Which is twenty miles, twenty five miles north of Seattle. Yeah. Uh, to take Oscar to the Everett Children's Museum. All right. Which is one of the best places to take a kid in the Seattle area. To look at other children who are under vitrines and behind glass. Bell jars, um, cages. It's the children's uh, museum. Leashes. They're a little more humane. They have some open air children's exhibits. Um, <laughs> And somewhere you can see them when they when they dive down for the fish. You can <laughs> see them underwater with their little filed teeth. It's great. <laughs> like, per, like piranhas. Uh, <clears throat> no, it's a nice the Snohomish County up there. Uh, maybe maybe the Boeing Corporation or Boeing retired people put a bunch of money into this, this huge children's museum. Uh, which has a uh, room for playing in water, like water uh, coursing through tables and uh, kind of water guns. You put on a little smock that when sounds, you go in. That it's adorable. Sanitary. Very sanitary. Little kids in, in uh, smocks playing with water. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Scientists. Um, like a North Korean um, nuclear laboratory. <laughs> good. Very good. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there's uh, uh, because it's Everett is where the Boeing where, where the planes are made. There's a lot of uh, there's a sort of a fake plane you can go in and fake fly it or hang out in the galley. Um, the galley had a bunch of uh, stuffed cats in it. Little, like, <laughs> really? Like stuffed animal cats for oh, some no, reason no. that's in the galley. I, and the main meant, thing I that thought the, you meant taxidermy cats. Taxidermy, bunch of taxidermy cats. We're gonna give you. We'd like to give you five million dollars for this children's museum. I'd like you to name it my wife's honor. One little, this might be a deal breaker, but we need to have all of our family cats who've been taxidermied, um, poisoned and taxidermied in the plane, the fake plane, towards the back, where, where the food would be. Uh, but I love the the uh, the only thing that they serve in the plane, even though it's fake, is a uh, uh, fake hot chocolate. You can order fake hot chocolate. Wait, why does the hot chocolate have to be fake? Well, it's, everything's fake. Everything's pretend. It's just, oh, oh, I see. Right, it's for little children, you know. Yeah, but why not? Okay. Yeah, I know. Lots of uh, lots of pneumatic tubes of various kinds and sizes going throughout the entire building. That's good. Uh, with a combination with scarves or uh, scarf sized or uh, ping pong ball sized, 
And so they're kind of vacuumed up out of everywhere and shooting everywhere all the time. It's very exciting. Um, lots of trains, big model train set and a train set to play with. A lot of, lot, lot of stuff going on here. Fake yeah. stage, or a real stage that they could, you know, kind of... Everything is... You know, like, uh, <clears throat> we could not watch Oscar, and he could probably not hurt himself and, and be thoroughly entertained for hours. But you have to watch the kid. I mean, you follow the kid along. Yeah. But, but it's not like, you know, it's, it's designed so that a lost child would not injure him or herself. This is going to be a thing that you're going to do again and again and again, and it's going to, you're never going to forget it. We ha- this, our, our, this is our fourth time there. Yeah. Our, our, our uh, local equivalent is called the Science Center. And uh, it also has the the water play. It's got doesn't have the pneumatic tubes, which I'm quite jealous of. But it does have a one of those uh, those big uh, ball machines, those Rube Goldbergian, you uh, know, sc- sculptural things with little with golf ball sized balls rolling all over the place. And uh, it was delightful, but it was you know it was like Bacteria Village for one thing. And uh, there's a it's a particular. You, you're pleased to get to do something that is so absorbing to your child, but you yourself really can't enter into a state of concentration of any kind. Because you can't walk around with a cup of coffee. You can't? That's the only thing preventing me from really getting into this sort of a place is uh, there's no coffee in it. Oh, why don't you pick up some coffee on the way? You live in Seattle, Washington. It feels like a no food or drink sign. Oh, I'm, I'm, really? I'm deter- deterred by the little um, human humanoids, featureless humanoids with the bar through them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. That's a shame that parents are being deprived of coffee. Not only can you drink a cup of coffee at the Science Center, but there is a, um, there's a freezer uh, right inside the front door. There used to be filled with those... Um, Oh hell! What are they called? Fruit, uh, fruitful, fruitful uh, juice bar. You know, they're like they're like ice pops. Ice, not ice cream bars, but they're sort of all natural popsicles, essentially. And yeah. uh, a, a big part of my science center experience was munching on one of those as I, as I usually the mango, the creamy mango one, as my children exerted themselves with mm-hmm. other people nearby. Children. Yeah, nearby. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that was that was fun, and then we went to dinner. We went to lunch at uh, uh, this this place in Everett called uh, the New Mexicans, which I'll send you a little. The New Mexicans. They don't seem to have their own page. But I'll send you a, a link to them. All right. Um, and uh, friends had been telling me about about this place. It's a New Mexico. Okay. Restaurant. Then, right. Which had one New Mexican. Um, entry on its menu which was an enchilada like a green chili enchilada and it was delicious yeah and was like something you would get in santa fe wow uh but everything else was brisket sandwiches and uh kind of there's there's more hawaiian comfort food like loco moco um than there was uh on the menu than there there was foods from santa fe in new mexico Mm. so they're playing a I don't know what happened. I assume that they they started with one idea, and they bought the sign, and and then uh, their interests drifted. Maybe there was a divorce. <laughs> um, maybe there's a little scattered. The waiter, the owner, who I think was with, the woman, I think was the owner, was waiting tables, 
and she was uh, not friendly. Um, and we were, there weren't very many people in there, and we had a child with us, which I think, I think you bring a child into a restaurant, um, you should be good, wait, good waiters understand, okay, this, this needs a little bit of extra work. Yeah. Both because they're brave trying to bring a kid to a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Things could go horribly wrong. Right. And they will have, and the, the waiter will have to clean up a terrible mess. Correct. Um, or with a little bit of assistance from the waiter, some forethought, things could go very well. They'll be very happy. There won't be a big mess to clean up. And they'll probably uh, tip more than they would normally because they really are grateful for the assistance. That that is that's the origin of my overtipping habit. Actually. Things like bringing a uh, bringing us another little plate, another little plate for the kid with some Ask. delicious things on it. Offering a high chair. Yeah, yeah. I, I we could see there was one. Oh, this, but, you're, you're you saying know. this is not what happened. You're about to. This is not what happened. No, what happened. We, we we got by, but it was there was a huge mess, and we felt bad about it. Um, so I was excited to try this place. Friends in Seattle had, had made the trip up to, to, to go there. I mean, there's a lot of good food in Seattle. Um, so to drive 30 minutes for something is, is notable. And it was pretty good. Uh, made me sick. Oh. Got sick very soon after. Right there at the table, I presume? No, no I, no, I yeah, vomited into my napkin <laughs> for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, got, I think I got I got sick, but it was pretty good. Um, but that's what happens in Everett. You know, nothing is quite as it seems up there. The New Mexico restaurant is, turns out to be a Hawaiian restaurant. Um, it's delicious, <laughs> but it'll, you'll get you'll get sick from it. Uh, Everett's a strange place. I hadn't been up there for a year. You know, I taught up there. How big uh, a town is Everett? Hmm. Probably 150,000 people. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, 100 years ago, I think Everett, Tacoma, and Seattle were all the same size. Okay. And there was a period, I think Everett might have been the larger the port um, of, of, the, of the trio. Um, now it's, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's very much a company town. Uh, the big Boeing plant is there, and most everybody does something related to Boeing. And they, they try to they try to keep wages down. I think so. It's it's a little it's a, it's a working class town. Who, who's the they? Who's the, who's the they who's trying to keep? Wages you know the down. forces, the Invisible Man. Isn't that what they call it in the economics? <laughs> the Invisible Man with his invisible hand. Right, the Invisible Man. Right, right. I didn't pay a lot of attention in, in economics. <laughs> no, you you might have a job now if you had. <laughs> I heard something about invisibility, and I got confused. <laughs> You got excited and confused. <laughs> excited you went off on a little mental tangent. Yeah, I did. And then the semester was over. Yeah. <laughs> took my C and went, went on to my poetry workshop. <laughs> uh, you know, like, much like Topeka, uh, other towns that that have huge, you know, large kind of industrial workforces, they want they don't they don't want the wages to get too high. They don't want the cost, they don't want the 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 the, the lifestyle to get too. Exciting. People <laughs> no. Start, no. Start wanting more, right? Then they want more money. Yeah. Um, and so I think would that. You, would you like a Would you like a same sex marriage with your enchilada? People will start asking. That's right. So I think the, the Invisible Man um, keeps fucking things up in Everett so that nothing will be too good. You know. <laughs> yeah. But the Children's Museum was, was pretty good. The New Mexicans was was, was all right. 
Uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful town. Uh, pretty grim. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful town. piece of land. It's on this peninsula oh, out, okay, in, okay. out in Puget Sound. And from a lot of it, it's kind of got a, it's on a kind of a hill. So from a lot of parts of town, you can see the Olympics and you can see the water. And it's, it's quite lovely. Yeah. But the actual human life there is pretty grim. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, we, have some, uh, we, have, we have a number of listeners who live in Everett who, who I think would all, I don't think I've, Insulted Everett to my friends from Everett. I think this is the consensus of whatever it is like. It's, right. uh, uh, it's both a, a, a little well-kept secret gem to live in, yeah, with some costs. The Invisible Man, yeah, trying to keep things a little bit mediocre. I feel like a little grimness, a little grimness. It's not Seattle. No, you want you want things to be perfect. You know, go off to Bellingham or uh, your Cloud Kingdom. <laughs> hey, a friend of mine just published a book yesterday. Yeah. it was sometime this week um, about economics. Really? Well, it's a novel, but it's about economists, and he himself is a trained economist. Uh, Peter Mountford. It's you, a second novel. Yeah. You it's called The Dismal Science. Have I mentioned him before? Uh, you've mentioned him before, but I don't think we've talked about this book. Let's let's see. The Dismal Science, his second novel. The first one was called A Young Man's Guide to Capitalism. Uh, yes, here it is. Dismal Science. Great cover. It is a good cover. Yeah. Uh, and you like it. You like this book. It's getting good reviews on Amazon. I haven't finished it. I just bought it. It just came out. Just got my copy a couple of days ago. I like it so far. It's surprising. Um. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that it's good because I know him and he's a serious person who speaks in paragraphs, you know. Um, but the, the the main character is a, a World Bank official in 2005 um, and an unlikely sympathetic hero yeah. who's contributing to the, the afterscape that we live in now. Ooh. Afterscape. Hey, uh, I I read a good book too. Um, surprising, surprising book uh, by Jeff Vandermeer. It is a new. Is this from the list of books that people have uh, suggested to you when you. No, um, although th- that list has continued to to work out well. This one, I you know, just something came drifting up my RSS feed about it, and it it looked sounded good, sci fi novel, and I uh, downloaded it and. Um, it is one of the best science fiction novels I think I've ever read. It's like instant, instant all-time favorite. Uh, By just James Vanderbeek. No, uh, Jeff Vandermeer. It's called uh, the Anni- It's called Annihilation, and it's part of a trilogy. All of all of which are coming out this year. They're being published like a few months apart, and uh, like one in May and one in September. And it sort of harkens back to the. Uh, Stanislaw Lem's kind of ah. uh, na- sort of uh, narrative momentum period, you know, Eden and Fiasco and Solaris. It reminds me a little bit of Gene Wolfe. It reminds me a little bit. Gene, he's sort of. Gene Never Gene kind Wolf. Of, he's kind of the Bo- Borges of science fiction, I guess. And um, uh, Borges doesn't get to be a. I guess Borges, Borges might be the Borges fiction. of science fiction. He's yeah. like the Stephen King of horror. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. I think I. I, I uh, no, no, no. It's his. his, his it's, I don't think of Borges as being in any no, no, category at all. I agree. Really. I agree. Uh, and of course, Lem is probably the Borges of science fiction, if there is one. But anyway, um, but it's uh, it's a it's a very 
sort of archly detached, told kind of story of some scientists who go to explore this uh, area called Area X, uh, which is a chunk of land that changed suddenly thirty years ago, and um, and uh, uh, the protagonist is uh, is one of one of four of these people. There's like a, a surveyor and a biologist and a psychologist and somebody else and uh it's basically just the you know just exploring the mystery of this area and what's wrong with it uh and it's extremely well done and really well written so i recommend it you're you're on the move i was just getting some coffee okay uh, i'll read it do you know that every time you touch the microphone or the surface the microphone is on unbelievably loud thumping comes through the Wow, you just moved your laptop in a way that looked exactly like the diner scene in Goodfellas. Really? Yeah, where uh, where what what's where Ray Liotta is talking with uh, is talking with De Niro. This is right right around the time De Niro's character is starting to lose it, and it's one of those things where it's on a, a dolly, so it's zooming and pulling back at the same time. And I think it's I think I think I think outside the window is rear projection. Oh, really? Yeah, because it, because it's it because it's, it's a normal looking scene. There's like some cars coming and going, people parking, uh, but it looks just slightly odd, you know, slightly intentionally artificial. Yeah, Unreal. yeah, and it's of course the scene where Henry realizes that he's he's, he's going to get whacked. He's going to get whacked if he doesn't if he doesn't skedaddle, um, because De Niro has lost his mind. Yeah. Um, that's just, a great scene. I just watched watched that movie again a couple of weeks ago because Rian had never seen it. And I finally persuaded her to watch it. Owen watched it too. God damn, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's better than I thought it was when I thought that it was pretty incredible. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, when it was when it was new, and you, I was you know, one compared it to you know The Godfather and things like that. But I think it's better than The Godfather. It's better than than. Uh, uh, it's a great rock and roll movie. Yeah, even yeah. though it's not about a rock and roll band, it yeah. it seems like it is, you know. Um, it's a great, it's a great piece of art. You know, it is. It is kind of is about a rock and roll band. It's like a, it's very much that that same um, that same narrative of how the gang comes together and they and they go they reach kill each other and then they right. and then they and then one of them and the drummer <laughs> one by one uh, right. murders all the others. Yeah. Uh, have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street? I haven't. Uh, have you? No, I haven't seen a movie in a long time, but um, people were making uh, comparisons. Not just because it's the same director, but it yeah. but, uh, seems to be some of the same pleasures. The thing about Scorsese is even when he's not at his best, he is, he's still doing the thing that he loves, which is, which is great attention to detail, to evoking an era or a place or, or a... Um, or a sort of way of life, you know. So even when the narratives are not working so well, the um, everything else is great. Yeah, we tried to see a movie last night, and ju- <laughs> just just to watch a movie on our own television is, of course, a great uh, production. Yeah, do with tell. The two-year-old, you know, uh, the timing of it. Uh, by the time he goes to bed, we're too tired to to sit through a whole movie. Um, and so it was a Netflix DVD that we've had for eight. Weeks, yeah. <laughs> Just about how long? About how long we have them? We have about an eight-week rental. 
<laughs> Finally watch it, and it's disappointing. Uh, it was Killer Joe. Uh, I don't know. The movie's called Killer Joe. You you waited eight weeks to watch Killer Joe. It's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> Why did you rent it in the first place? My friend George Pratt said it was good. <laughs> Friendship, I'm going to have to question. <laughs> you, you are. You're going to have to rethink that, my friend. So bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> What's it about? Um, Matthew McConaughey yeah. was fine, and his actual performance was fine, although he didn't enter the uh, the movie until an hour in. Yeah. Uh, Hitman hired by some dummies to kill their mom. Yeah. Thomas Jane is in it, I think. <laughs> uh, terrible. How are you doing with the whole ha- having a baby thing? In that you know, like you, because you, your whole you know your li- your lives just become warped around this th- this new priority that just never goes away. I think we're doing well at having a baby and being parents, but everything else is kind of going to hell. <laughs> That's kind of the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, like the writing, you know, uh, get something done once in a while. Uh, uh, you know, the making a living is not going very well. Um, yeah. Uh, you know. Everything else is maintaining. I think the parenting is going quite well. Seems like a happy kid. I don't know. Maybe we're spoiling him, but that's not the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I question this, this, the whole notion of spoiling a child. I, I really do. I just, you know, I, we, we have, maybe, maybe it'll return to bite us in the ass, but, um, we, you know, we, uh, more or less decided that it our we don't assign our kids chores really. I mean, they have to maintain basic personal hygiene and and tidiness in the house. You know, returning their dirty dishes to the kitchen sink and you know not being jerks. But for the most part, um, I don't know. They don't have to learn now. They they'll figure out how to, you know, cook meals and do laundry. I mean, they do do their own laundry. We've taught them to do that. But I, I just feel like there's so little time in life where other people are actually doing, maintaining the, the, the life infrastructure. And if you all let them start doing things around the house, and when they leave, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. won't, you won't do them. Yeah, I hadn't even thought your life that, will fall apart right. immediately. You're right. You're right. The house will go to shit. Train them to take the trash out, and they go off to. Whatever they do next, the Marines, I suppose, and uh, and then you never take the trash out again. You become one of those no, you know, house full of trash people. Yeah, we do have a, a room full of chicken feces right now because we have a sick chicken, uh, and and the chicken is on death watch and uh, it's crapping all over the place in the in the house in the greenhouse. So sort of like when the um when the uh. When the sketchy meat salesman showed up and they walked uninvited into the greenhouse, Rian's response was, get the fuck out of my house. But now that there's a chicken in the greenhouse, we can kind of tell ourselves it's not really in the house. Can you take a step back and tell me about the creepy meat salesman? (laughs) I I wrote a blog post about this. Did you read it? I guess I didn't. This this isn't a, is this a phenomenon you're not familiar with? It's okay. Here's the here's the basic, uh, here's the sort of platonic ideal of the creepy meat salesman. It's usually two guys. They've got a they've got a beat up car or truck, usually a truck or van, and they back into your driveway, 
got it back in for for quick escape. And one of them stays with the vehicle, and the other one comes up to your door, either knocks at your front door, and then when you open it, tries to get in. Or if you've got, say, a mudroom, just comes on in and uh, and then bangs on your inner door. And essentially, it's, it's an intentional, intentionally aggressive entry into the house. Not breaking and entering, but not the, not, it's not making you comfortable, okay? And what the guy says, uh, once you have, once you can listen to, once you've, once you've uh, absorbed and can now tune out the fact that his face is covered with methamphetamine lesions, he says, hey, we've got a, we got a van full of meat. Uh, the lady next door uh, ordered some meat, and uh, w- um, we brought the wrong order. So uh, we got to get rid of it right away. And you, do you want to buy it? It's really good meat. And then you say, no, get the fuck out of my mudroom. Oh, that. Yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> You're kidding? Yeah. No. No, no it's of course. A thing. It never if, happens. If you... I, I, this happened I, once to you. No. And you think that you're just generalizing from your experience no. to the other 7 billion people on earth. I am right now Googling. Guys, you think that whatever happens to you happens to everybody. <laughs> guys selling meat door to door. Buyer beware. Door to door meat sales. You in the law. Consumer alert. Watch out for guys selling meat door to door in Northport. Door to door meat sales. Door to door meat sales heat up with the temps. Meat from truck scam, door-to-door meat scam. Door-to-door salesmen talk me into buying meat. No, this is this is on this a website. Is absolutely, new to, this is very unfamiliar to me. This is for a website called Prison Talk. I'm glad I found this. Yeah. Okay. So here's this is a perfect example. This is uh looks it looks like this was posted by Jody Ann Shaw on on PrisonTalk.com in December 2003. She wrote this. Door-to-door salesman talking me into buying meat. Uh, yeah, I said meat, lol. Okay, I'm hoping someone here can answer my question. Here it goes. Yeah, I said meat, lol. <laughs> okay. Eight days ago, a man came to my door selling frozen prepackaged meat. I kept telling him, no, no, no. But eventually, he lowered the price tremendously, and I caved in and told him I'd take it. Now, I cut him a check for $475 that wasn't going to be cash until about three days ago. There's also the agreement that it's NC state law that a person has three business days to return any merchandise without penalty of any sort. The evening I bought the meat, I talked to my BF, mother, and brother in hopes they would all go in with me on this deal. See, the total cost would have been $1,500 to be paid. I can't believe this. Anyway, none of them wanted to do it. I decided I needed to cancel the meat. The next morning, I mailed my cancellation to the company. Basically, they, they got scammed. No meat, no money. And it's there's there's... Tons of stories about this. What's the deal with those guys who sell steaks door to door? So I think what's going on is there is some kind of source for shitty cuts of leftover meat that people are sneaking out the back door of slaughterhouses for cash, and marginal kind of dudes are taking it and running this scam where they make you think that you're getting a deal, and they're super aggressive in a kind of smarmy way and some people are just susceptible to that and don't want to, you know, don't know how to say no. I'm I'm very bothered by this phenomenon and I'm also bothered and excited <laughs> that the information came from prisontalk.com <laughs> right. which I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Prison Information and Family Support Community. Yeah. 
um, which is I mean, which is no joke, right? People are people are in in, in jail, and yeah, that's rough for all sorts of reasons, and tough on on the families, and people who are in there, and children and siblings and all that. But they have a shop. You'll notice uh, the. Oh. Uh, you can buy a little send a hug postage stamps. Oh, wow. Easter chicky stamps. It's kind of sealed with a kiss stamp. <laughs> oh, these t shirts are great. T shirts are, there's two kinds of t shirts that I found. One of them is uh, Concerning Captives, um, Freedom Through Friendship. And the other is uh, some handcuffs shaped like hearts, and it says Prisoner of Love. <laughs> Prisoner of Love. We have got our uh, show image. We have oh, got our God. Christmas shopping done <laughs> we- also. <laughs> well, the Prisoner of Love shirt you is so good. It is yeah, it's a pair of heart-shaped handcuffs. That is great. Which I would imagine would be very uncomfortable. Far yeah. more uncomfortable than normal uh circular handcuffs. Unless you had uh heart-shaped wrists. <laughs> oh. There there are forums for everything. There sure I've, are. I've given up on them though. But there's I, no forum. There's no forum for um, for uh, lunchbox. No, there's not. Why don't we have forums for for our legions of listeners? Do you want me to add a forum to our? Website? We should have a forum. <laughs> Do you have that tech, technological capability? I I think maybe it's doable. Yeah. We'll put a forum. Uh, also, I also I also want to point out because uh, a couple of friends who who listen. Um, so the, we've never actually, may not have ever made clear that we live in different towns. I thought that was, but we always I don't think talk it's, about it. I don't think it's always, I, I think we, we, we do, but I don't think we, apparently the audio is so good, except <laughs> when I'm fumbling with a microphone. <laughs> yeah. That it's not clear to everybody that you live in Ithaca, New York, and I live in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. 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 And we see now, each other only occasionally. we made that clear. That's something yeah. we could have made clear in a forum. Yeah, we could we could have instead of wasting precious audio time, precious tape. I we could have had a, a the the, uh, the the topic would be where do you live, and I would start it off. I would say <laughs> Ed and I live in Seattle, Washington, and Ithaca, New York, respectively. Where do you live? And then people would say, "Oh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska," right, or wherever exactly. wherever they happen to be from. I'm from mostly Omaha, Omaha I suppose. I'm though Saskatchewan. I mean. A lot of a lot of people are in Omaha. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I liked Omaha. I, w- I was I passed through one day and liked it very much. Liked it a lot. Omaha's happening. Is it? Omaha's coming up. Yeah, Omaha's coming up. Um, so I went to the zoo this morning. Really? I did. Well, we were. Uh, Oscar was a little dozy yesterday. Yeah, and I was uh, looking for something to watch because um, he just kind of wanted to sit around, and I wanted to sit around, and so I thought we'd watch some television. And uh, I didn't want to search around too much, so I sort of clicked on on our Roku, clicked on West Side Story. All right. I thought here's here's this is harmless, and I'd forgotten about it. And I watched two minutes of it, and remembered everything about it, and didn't want to watch it anymore. But right. but it be it's because it's a was produced by uh, MGM. It opens up with the Roaring Lion. Image. Of course. Is this the first time Oscar has seen that? I don't know if it's the first time, but he was very taken by it. So <laughs> he kept rewinding to watch the lion go. 
and then he would go, and then he would point at the screen when the lion wasn't on it, and he'd go, like, where's the lion? <laughs> and so we went to the zoo this morning to look at the lions, and he was very excited. Yeah. Because there's a, a big, uh, big male lion there with a big, big lion mane. It was kind of close, close enough to really see him pretty clearly, and he roared. Right. Oh, he did. And we didn't do the MGM roar. He kind of did a uh, kind of a huff, kind of a chuffing sort of sound. All right, but, but that's you know, still pretty vocalized. impressive. That's impressive. Um, and Oscar was really taken by it. Then a zookeeper came by and said uh, um, that the, the lions were leaving on Monday for Los Angeles. <laughs> really? No more lions at the Seattle Zoo. Oh, for, for good? They're leaving for good? Yep. Well, they might be happier in L.A. They get to be outdoors more of the time. A lot of people think they're going to be happier in L.A. <laughs> uh, Taken, take you know, as a uh, as a variation on their their obvious permanent unhappiness, they'll be less unhappy in L.A. Perhaps their misery yep. will be less intense. So I gave them Alice's number. So hopefully they'll look her up. <laughs> well, you have some. You have some zookeeping experience. You've got a little poll. You could get Alice a job at the L- the Los Angeles Zoo. Is it called the Los Angeles Zoo? Is that what it's, what the name is? I think it's the LA Zoo. I don't think I ever went to it. I'm not sure where it is. Do you keep? I know where it is. I don't know where it is. Do you keep up with the zookeeping world, Ed? A little bit. Well, I have uh, uh, my mentor in zookeeping, the head of the uh, uh, the the zoo our zoo scoutmaster. Yeah. Um, or explorer <laughs> scoutmaster Ron Ringer is now the uh, the lead elephant keeper at the San, Di- San Diego Wild Animal Park, oh, which makes wow. him top zookeeper, right? Top elephant keeper. Um, man, I keep you, in touch with him. You know the top man in everything. I do. I got a guy. I got an elephant guy. <laughs> you've you've always got a guy. Yeah, got a guy. And uh, a lot of my uh, zookeeping junior zookeeper friends are now professional grown up zookeepers. Including my friend Melissa, who is the lead penguin keeper at the Tacoma Zoo. Sweet. Which is what she wanted to do when she was 14. I want to be a penguin zookeeper who works with penguins. That's Arranged her life. She made it happen. I was just talking to Reen about this. or No, it wasn't Reen. I had lunch with a friend and I was sort of complaining about the fact I've been doing undergraduate admissions at Cornell. So uh, this is a, you know, sort of. a thing that uh, the the chair pegs some undergraduate yeah the chair of english uh pegs someone in the department every year to go do undergrad admissions cornell likes and i think it's a good thing cornell likes their faculty to sit in on the admissions process for undergraduates um and so every tuesday afternoon i go in there i sit with an um sit with an admissions guy uh it's a very nice guy named rich and we go over applications from students and accept some and reject some and uh it's the nature of, you know, of expensive academia that everyone's a high achiever and everyone has been trained to present themselves as knowing exactly what they want to do with their lives um, right. and have have been compelled by their parents to do every conceivable activity and public mm-hmm. service that they possibly can before the age of 17. Inca- impeccably coached yeah. to articulate these matters as well. And I, you know, I, th- I think of it as my job. It's depressing, basically, to do this because I don't really, I mean, I, I am glad to be employed by the institution but i the the set of values that brings students to it are not really ones that i 
ascribe to. And uh, I, I, I sort of have been trying to get as many weird kids admitted as possible. Um, something yeah. that this this guy, Rich, is actually on board with. We're, we're looking for people who write interesting yeah. essays, you know. But um, but man, who in the hell knows when they are that age, what they want to spend every day for the rest of their goddamn lives doing? Zero. Uh, Ex- except for Melissa. murderers, right? Psychopaths. <laughs> Psychopaths. <laughs> Starting the big project yeah. around that age. Yeah. Go burn a cat just just to test the waters. Mm-hmm. I'll embalm in, a cat. That's in their essay. Yeah. Looking, thinking about a field and murdering. Um, <laughs> I've uh, been volunteering a cat shelter. <laughs> Preparation. Uh, someone, uh, someone has some to kill pe- animals at the shelter, yeah. and some of those people maybe are into it. I know some people who are who are doing what they set out to do, um, and I, I don't know how many of them would do the same again. I think. Yeah. The, they they're they're. They sort of started out with a, a leg up, sort of understanding what they were getting into and preparing themselves for it. Um, and so they often have been, you know, successful at achieving what it is they wanted to do. Uh, but there, there's a lot of the mysteries was never there for them in yeah. their field. Yeah. Like, oh, what what could happen? What what great adventure am I on? You know, especially if it's something that uh, if you that you sort of declare when you begin college and there's a there's a curriculum that has no, you know, it's inflexible. Um, so you start out to want to be an ophthalmologist, and then you you start your ophthalmology training day one of college, and uh, you never take anything unrelated to becoming an ophthalmologist. You become an ophthalmologist, and uh, and then you're an ophthalmologist. Then you're a free, grown-up, complex person walking the earth, wondering about a lot of other things. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, in your time off from ophthalmology. Yeah. Uh, but even teachers, like I've, I've, you know, some of my my uh, family become started out wanting to be teachers. I've been a teacher. I respect that. But uh, but the curriculum allowed no room for learning about anything aside from, you know, teaching yeah. how to teach. Um, nephew just got admitted to uh, medical school, mm-hmm. which is great, and took a great deal of intellect and work. And I don't begrudge it at all. I think it's fantastic. Um, but I think the only equivocation was whether he would get in or not. Whether he not so much a question of is this what he wants to do? Yeah. I mean, congratulations to him. I'm happy for him. This is the most heavily qualified anecdote I've ever heard in my entire life. Well, I realized I was talking about my family, and some of them listen. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of everybody. For, I'm related to for every choice that they've made. <laughs> the end. They are inerrant. <laughs> but your friend Melissa, is she? Does she continue to be satisfied with her 14-year-old dream? I think so. I think there was there was some um, uh, there was some straying from it, though. I think in her 20s, yeah, uh, where she was not a, a, in the zookeeping profession at all. She was being unfaithful to the penguins. And uh, with some dolphins, and she uh, got back into it. All right, I think that's good. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, this is one of the things that I I think is great about our profession is that it um, 
so well you don't make any money at it but uh insofar as it's possible to make any kind of living at it uh the living you make can can change constantly it could be something different every day and i think that's a good thing yeah so. um but it's nice being at the zoo i like the zoo i like going yeah. to the zoo i've been i've been maybe 10 times in the last month no really Eight times, maybe eight times. With with, with Oscar or with Oscar? Oh, always, always with Oscar. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's something to do with Oscar. It's five or ten minutes away. Um, by car. By car, don't have to pay for parking. Oh, um, nice. It's an urban zoo. You know, walk right in. Got a membership, so uh, there's always something for him to do there. It's nice to see the lions before they left. Yeah. Do you uh, you go? Uh... You go to the elephant house, I imagine, and uh, do you do you feel an affinity with the elephants? Do you feel that you can look at an elephant in the eye and and have uh, have something pass between you? You know, the weird thing is, Besides I don't straw. Really, with, with these elephants. I don't feel um, much interest in. No, I'm very I'm very very sentimental on the subject of Sunda and Tembo, the the African and Asian elephants at the Topeka Zoo, who are now sort of. Uh, now, very old elephants. Oh, and by the way, our extraordinarily loyal and probably non-existent listeners who have been listening to the entire run of this podcast will recall that we talked about your zookeeping in uh, episode one. Did we? Yes. In fact, the image on the website that accompanies that episode is you sitting in a, <laughs> an elephant's lap. I've seen your picture. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me, I think. So, yeah, uh, but but these elephants, right. you didn't you you didn't have an instant... I don't know them. Connection. I don't know these elephants. They don't know me. Yeah. What well, makes them tick? One of them has a weird ear. I don't know what yeah. the story is there. Yeah. Um. But I, I and also the orangutans. Who I was. I spent a lot of time with the orangutans at the Topeka Zoo and the orangutans at the Seattle Zoo. I look at them. And I think they look like they're strangers to me. I don't know these guys. I don't know these guys at all. These guys. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I shuddered. I got a, I got a, a genuine prey shiver today. Um, we walked through the Komodo Dragon building. Oh, and I was looking at this this big hungry Komodo Dragon, and it gave me the, the genuine willies. <laughs> really? Yeah, it really did. It really freaked me out. Didn't want to be there the second longer. What variety of willy are we talking about? Was it did, did it's uh, cold feeling in the spine, as though as though you were prey ice on the back of the neck. Yeah, mm. it was in danger. You you know the um, the lizard brain, so to speak, does not want to see a lizard that big. They are not supposed to be that big. It's too big. It's too big. You know, it was even freakier. What? As they have some baby komodo dragons there. Yeah. Like a year old, about two feet long, sitting on a branch. <laughs> Didn't like the look of them. <laughs> Little tongue. You know, the, the, the old Komodo dragons, scrub Komodo dragons look really disgusting. You know, their skin is all kind of mottled and weird. Yeah. It looks like a, like, like a, like a car that's had like a lot of work done on it. Like some different panels, like a door from the junkyard went on it, or you know, there was some 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 parts replaced where it got shot. You know, <laughs> this is what Komodo dragons look like. They look like they've been assembled from 
from other Komodo dragons. Junkyard sure. lizard. Even the babies look like that. Yeah. This although innocent, innocent little Komodo dragon looked kind of patched together. Although I will actually say, I mean, I believe, I certainly believe you that there's something uniquely uh, frightening and repulsive about the, the Dan Aykroyds of the reptile. <laughs> Keep your money. I'm a Komodo dragon. <laughs> but there's, but I must say that when I, when we had, when our children were were babies, when our children were little, uh, I found myself getting grossed out by other people's babies. There yeah. is nothing more disgusting to me when occasionally I was put in a position of having to change the diaper of someone else's child. I think now, if a friend with a baby, I've never had, I've never had to do that. Well, you know, we. The sort of group of parents we lived near uh, really liked the idea of like just dropping off your kid at somebody else's house for a few hours, and then another time they'll reciprocate. Right? I don't like to have that kind of relationship with anyone. I don't. I don't like obligation. You know what I mean? I want to give freely, and not need it. Not want anything in return. So, uh, but occasionally we'd get suckered into this. And I would have to change another child's diaper, and it is repulsive. And you know, my yeah. own changing my own child's diaper is actually kind of fun. It's a, it's a nice, you know, it's it's a nice way yeah. to bond with your kid. You're looking right in the eye, and yeah. you're talking to them, and they're talking to you, and you know, doing them a favor. Yeah, yeah, you're doing them a favor. Let me help you with this. Yeah, other people's babies shouldn't be very different, but uh, it's not right. It's not right. No. We haven't. We don't. We don't it's have like anybody. changing a Komodo dragon's bait diaper. Really, Ugh, oh, that'd be a funky diaper. <laughs> yeah, Komodo dragon babies. Didn't like that at all. But we cut our trip short because uh, uh, it started to rain. Oscar had eaten all of his cantaloupe and was getting sleepy, and uh, and we, were, we had to do our podcast. So I hustled on home. Well, I'm glad you glad you made it. And now the podcast is done. We have done it. You have done it. We did it. You Happy Valentine's it. Day. Thanks, Ed. Happy Valentine's Day to you too. Did you do anything? Did you acknowledge the holiday in any way? Oh yeah, I I, uh, I bought uh, flowers that were too expensive and got in trouble. I was in the doghouse because the the flowers were too nice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ed, I know. Yeah, I I spent I, I I think I I think I hit the right price point, and the flowers were very pretty. Rena does not, she doesn't dislike roses, but she likes colorful flowers. So I got her a colorful bouquet. Um, yeah. and uh, we uh we did go out for a drink with our friend Kim, uh, to Felicia's, where there were special uh Valentine's Day drinks, including something called a um something called a flaming heart which contains among other things jalapeno infused something or another and lafroig spectacular leah one of the co-owners of the bar invented this drink and it's spicy very, scotch yeah spicy scotch with some sweetness in it too a little, it was, it was a little smoky drink. smoky sweet spicy it was a pink drink and by the way check my blog if you want to see my recent celebration of the color pink Oh, I will. Which I wrote today, but um, 
uh, yeah, I actually, I realized belatedly, like halfway through Valentine's Day, I realized that what I had done so far that day was talked on the phone with one attractive woman I'm not married to, <laughs> and then had lunch with another attractive woman I wasn't married to. Mm-hmm. So tonight, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take my own attractive woman out to dinner for our post Valentine's Day dinner. It's date night. It's date night. Date night. We talked about going out for dinner last night, but we didn't. You know, we don't want to wait in line in the cold at our favorite places. We made dinner. Um, I was a little sick. I was still a little sick from uh, the enchilada. Yeah, and Mexicans. Um, so we we're, were going to have a nice fish dinner back in Seattle. You know, fish is seafood is uh, is delicious and accessible. Um, then we were tired and lazy. We ended up uh, overcooking uh, a ribeye steak, uh, splitting it in half. Oscar ate my half, and I just had some asparagus. That was our. And then I had some chocolate. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Then a cup of coffee, and then uh, watched some of Killer Joe <laughs> in disgust. Turned it off before finding out what happened. Yeah. And uh, in bed by nine. That Valentine's Day. That That's the good, Valentine's Day of the old. That is a good married people Valentine's Day. In my in my view, in my view, you celebrate your love every day, do you not? Surely. You don't need a special day for it. I hate Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it either. Hate no, it. I like going to the. I have to say, I actually like going to the florist with all. No, the, the florist any the day. They're open all year. I know. Well, I do. They're not like a, They're not like a church. They're open all year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are you hungry?